Well, it is mid-October, mid-October here at East Cobb, and so that can only mean a few things, right? It means that our bellies are full and we can still slightly smell the, the barbecue that the men's club put on yesterday. I hope everyone enjoyed that. I know I've got uh, a couple pounds waiting for me uh, to put in the freezer and continue for, to enjoy for the next few weeks. Mid-October also means that your pastor's starting to lose her hair from stressful Georgia football games. Um, <laughs> pulling it out, yanking it. And mid-October also means it is that season of stewardship in the life of the church. Now, I know in a lot of churches, that kind of announcement would elicit groans from the congregation and maybe lighter attendance over the next few weeks. But I am confident that East Cobb UMC is different. Because last year, last year, we celebrated the joy that comes with giving. We declared all together, I like giving. And we really did. We celebrated that. And you all stepped up to the plate and said, yes, yes, I like giving. I know the difference that it makes in my life, in the life of the community, and the difference that it makes in establishing the kingdom of God here in this place. It is a good thing to give. And so this year we're building off that declaration, that, that ways that we say we like giving. And we're going to do it all with one simple word. You see it up on the screens, it's giving it away, right? That simple word is so. So over the next few weeks, we are going to ask the question, so what? Talk about money and giving and generosity. Why? So what? And then we're going to attempt to answer that question with the kind of transitional phrase, so that. Right? We give. We share. We are stewards of the resources God has given us so that things can happen. And finally, in the last Sunday on October 27th, we are going to celebrate together. We are going to commit together with, with our estimate of giving cards for 2020. And we are going to say all that we do and all that we give is so cool. It is so cool. Because of the ways that God uses what we give. So, it's mid-October in East Cobb. Here we go. Now, I have to admit that some of these questions that we're asking, some of these topics we'll be talking about, really started ruminating in my mind months ago. It all started back at the, the beginning of summer when our neighborhood pool first opened. Now, if you have the experience of taking young children to the pool, whether they're your own, your grandchildren, or whatever, you may be familiar with this kind of experience. We're all excited about the pool. We can't wait to get to the pool. We've got our bathing suits, we've got our pool bag, we're lathered up with sunscreen, we are so excited and we get there. And as soon as we get there, we see the pool, but then right next to the pool, we see the snack shack. <laughs> Does your pool have a snack shack? <laughs> our pool has a snack shack. And the snack shack is only open during safety break, right? Those 10 minutes when the lifeguards get a break and all the kids have to get out of the pool. So we have gotten to the pool. We are so excited to swim. And all my children are asking me is, when is it safety break? 
no, 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 we're here to swim. Yeah, we know, Mommy, but we want snacks. <laughs> Forget the snacks that I packed, right? We want the snacks from the snack shop. So, they're better anyway. I know, I know. I've heard that a few times. So we finally get to safety break. The whistle blows, and my kids, I mean, eyes on the lifeguards. Like, they've got to do their little testing first, but as soon as they make their way to the snack shop and open it up, they are ready to go. And in we walk. They've got their little coin purses that have lots of pennies in them. (laughs) And we go in, and the choices, oh, so many choices. What are we going to get? And I find myself in those moments wanting so desperately for them to understand money a little bit better. (laughs) Not only so that they can figure out how to count out what they need and get all the hundred pennies for the one dollar little starburst, but so they can start to understand what the snack snack shop upcharge (laughs) is like. But they they don't see that. At six and four, that's not really part of their development yet. And so they look at this $2 candy bar and want it so desperately. And it doesn't matter how many times I say, you know, I could buy you a whole box of those candy bars for $2. They look at me and they say, so what? So what? My desire for my kids to learn more about money actually started to backfire on me recently. It was this past week, I was in the car with Ruthie Jean, my six-year-old daughter. She's in first grade, and so they are starting to learn about money in school. And um, we had just been to Publix. I had gotten some some cash, and so she was holding it for me. She had a $10 bill and a $20 bill. And um, she was looking at it, and she said, Mommy, do you know who is on the $10 bill? I know a lot of things. I don't happen to know that. (laughs) It's just one of those things that I didn't keep in my brain. And I said, I don't know, George Washington? (laughs) No, Mommy. He's on the $1 bill. Um, I don't know, Ben Franklin? (laughs) No, Mommy. (laughs) He's on the $100 bill. Okay, okay. I got schooled by my six-year-old in the car on who is on the money. But I found myself, as she was asking me these questions, relating back to the question they had asked me at the snack shop. So what? So what? So it got me thinking, right, about our relationship to money. Is our relationship more like my kids, where we say, I want that, it costs this much, so I pay it, moving on. So what? Or is it more like mine, where I recognize that money is an important thing that we have to deal with, but I don't really dive into the details maybe as much as I should? So what? What is our relationship to money? Why should we even talk about it? Well, we know it's, it's an integral part of our lives. We can't go a day without interacting with money in some way, shape, or form, whether it's at the store, whether it's on our phones, whether it's checking our statements online, whatever it may be, 
right? We are interacting with money all the time. And so we could say, yeah, so what? And then we could go a step further and say, well, even if I have to deal with it and talk about it, I don't want to do that at church. It's one of those taboo topics, right? Politics, sex, money. We just don't talk about them at church. <laughs> well, I do, so sorry. <laughs> because it's something that does impact our life. And if nothing else, coming to church and being a part of a faith community is about things that impact our lives. And it's about encountering a Savior, encountering a God who takes those things that impacts our lives and transforms them. And so if this is something that we deal with every day, then why not look to scriptures to see what it is that Jesus is teaching us about our relationship with money and how might it be transformed So that maybe we aren't always just asking, so what? Now, Jesus has a lot of things to say about money. He, um, yeah, he has something to say. He has a lot of some things to say about money. In fact, it comes in his great sermon on the mount. That sermon where he gives the, the Beatitudes, where he shares the words of the Lord's Prayer. He also talks about money in that great sermon. And so that's where we're looking today to Matthew chapter 6, beginning with the 19th verse. You see it with me up on the screens. Jesus says, stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth, where moth and rust eat them and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourselves in heaven where moth and rust don't eat them, and where thieves don't break in and steal them. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we've got treasures on earth, and we've got treasures in heaven. In this sermon, Jesus sets up this clear dichotomy. What does it mean for us to store up treasures on earth? And then if the opposite is treasures in heaven, well, where do we even begin? Now, I'd venture to guess that this is a familiar passage to a lot of us in the room, especially in mid-October around the church. We've probably heard it preached. We maybe have read it in a letter asking for support. We have maybe even said it ourselves in trying to teach our children about money and being good stewards of the resources we have. But might it be that it's become one of those things that's easier said than done, one of those do as I say, not as I do type teachings? I mentioned earlier my attitude towards money, that it's a reality we have to deal with, but I don't spend too much time focusing on it. Well, as I was preparing for this sermon, I decided, uh, maybe that's not the best attitude to have. <laughs> maybe I need to dig in a little deeper. If where I'm spending my money, if my treasure points to my heart, well, then I need to know 
what exactly my treasure is. So I decided to do a little spending analysis and I'm gonna share it with you today. So I took my August spending. I downloaded my bank account, put it in a little spreadsheet, categorized it out to see for the month of August, where did my money go? What treasures am I building up? So you can see the biggest percentage there is household, right? That's my mortgage, that's all my bills, that's you know when the pest guy comes, anything that had to do with the house. The largest percentage is going there. Uh, I'm gonna skip the next one and then we go to kids. Obviously we've got daycare costs, we've got you know all the things that kids need. <laughs> it adds up quickly, right? So we've got the kids there at 12, Percent. Um, I've got food that comes next at 9.8% of the money that I spent was spent on food. Um, I like to eat. And I mentioned last week I'm not a big cook, so a lot of that is, is eating out, which maybe needs to be adjusted a bit. Uh, the next is, is charity, is giving. So that's my giving to the church, and I also um, sponsor two children, one through World Vision and one through Compassion International. Um, and so that um, money goes there every month. Um, then you got my car, which is my car payment, and then gas, and kind of upkeep and everything. Uh, money to savings, try to be good about that. Um, and then the last little ones, you know, insurance, cell phone, gym membership, all pop in there. The one that I skipped, I kind of want to go back to that 14.3, that miscellaneous category. This is the one that hit me a little bit harder. <laughs> as I was digging in, as I was seeing, what, what kind of treasure am I building up? Well, I'm building up treasure um, in clothes, <laughs> apparently, uh, according to my spending, uh, building up treasure in all those random little things that you end up at Target and you're just going for one thing and the next thing you know you got a buggy full, right? All those things that I just kind of threw in to a miscellaneous category. And so it was eye-opening for me, right, to see, okay, if Jesus is telling me where my treasure is, there my heart is also. And if, if I kind of modernize that to say, like, where am I spending? Where is my money going towards? And that is what my heart is leaning towards. What might this say about the state of my heart? Am I setting it up where moth and rust will destroy or am I protecting it and looking to treasures in heaven? Now this teaching of, of Jesus about treasures on earth and treasures in heaven and how I kind of interpreted it in my own life, it's not supposed to be like this guilt-laden, shame-driven exercise. Instead, Jesus wants us to know what treasure is to know then where our heart is, to illuminate some of those aspects of our relationship with God that we don't always see or we aren't always connected to. And what a great thing that is because so often, right, our relationship with God can feel kind of intangible, right? But now Jesus is saying, here, I'm taking something that is physical, that is tangible, that you can analyze, that is factual, and showing you how that translates to something that is more spiritual, something that is more intangible, something that is more relational. 
So, so what? <laughs> what then do we do with it? Well, let's consider first that most of the time when Jesus is talking about heaven, when he says store up treasures in heaven, he's not talking about a heaven that is some far off place that we only get to when we die. When Jesus talks about heaven, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God that is a reality for us in the here and now, in our daily life here on this earth. So as he says, storing up treasures in heaven, it's not mean we're supposed to store things up to, to take with us or that will be good for us when we die. But to store up treasures in heaven is is to focus on, to, to spend our time and our money and resources on things that build up heaven here and now in our world. Resources that, that help to establish the kingdom of heaven today. The opposite, then, according to this teaching, right, is storing up treasures on earth. To store up things that, that make our lives better or easier, or at least on the surface. But do little to nothing to establish God's kingdom here on earth. Now it's true that some of our money has to be spent on these things, right? We, we have to go through our lives. We need, you know, a roof over our head. We need clothes on our back. We need food in our bellies. But Jesus wants to remind us that it's about where our focus is, right? And to store up, to overindulge, to, to hoard on these types of things will only result in moth-infested, rust-covered, up-for-the-taking hearts. Why is that? Well, it's not because those things are in and of themselves bad, but it's because of the mindset that they lead to, the posture that grows from it. That posture is one that, that focuses more on self than on others. It's one that focuses more on self than on God. It's a life that is lived based on this understanding of, of scarcity of resources instead of abundance of resources. Storing up treasures on earth starts to shape our lives and mold us with these ideas of greed and of insecurity and makes us even begin to question, will God provide for us? And we answer that question with a no every time we seek to take control and to provide just for ourselves. Do you remember the, the story of the rich young ruler in Scripture? actually appears in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's Gospels. I think Mark's maybe is the most powerful. In this story, a, a rich young ruler, we're told, comes to Jesus and asks Jesus, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, like Jesus does, turns it around on him and says, well, what have you read? He said, well, to keep the commandments, right? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, right? To love your neighbor, right? All these commandments that we have heard, and, I, and I've done those, Jesus. I have done those. 
Jesus turns to him and says, well then, the only thing that's left for you to do is to give up all that you have, to give it all to the poor, and to come and follow me. What I think is so powerful about this story in Mark is that throughout Mark's gospel, Jesus invites people to follow him, and every time they do, except here. This is the only time in Mark's gospel when Jesus invites someone to come and follow him, and they refuse. There was something about this young man's life. That he wanted to inherit eternal life. He came to ask Jesus what he had to do. And when Jesus gave him this answer, it was too much. And he had to walk away. Now what this story tells us is not that Jesus is telling all of us to sell all we have or to give it all to the poor and to follow him. That's not what this story is. It's not saying that all followers of Jesus should should sign this vow of poverty. But what Jesus wants us to see and to hear is the power that money and our possessions and these treasures on earth can have over us. That they can begin to take control, so much so that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would stand before us and say, come follow me, and we would not be able to let go. That's the power that it has when we turn our focus to treasures on earth instead of treasures in heaven. Barbara Brown Taylor, one of the great preachers of our day, in her sermon on the rich young ruler, she says this, he is the only wounded one who declines to be healed. Poverty scared him more than bondage. He could not believe that the opposite of rich might not be poor, but free. That the opposite of rich might not be poor, but free. What does it mean for us to look at our money, to look at our resources, to look at the treasures of our lives and to ask that question, so what? To lay it all out before us. I mean, maybe this kind of spending analysis is something you do on a regular basis. And if it is, great. You've already got the tools. Start asking the questions. If it's not, I invite you to do that, to take this week, to look back. We're in October now, so maybe look back at September. Lay it all out there and say, so what? What does all of this say? Because it says something more than just, I needed this, and so I got it. It starts to point to our hearts, to our motives, 
to our focus, to our motivation. And then once we ask those questions, we must start to, to release the grip on those treasures. So that we might, when we encounter Christ in our lives, and he asks us, won't you come and follow me? We might be able to say, yes. Yes, all the treasures that I have, they've been pointing to this moment. They've been pointing to this time and this place when you, Jesus, have said, come follow me. And now I will follow you because that is what my life has been building towards. And that we might recognize that to be rich in this world might just be poor in heaven. To be rich in this world might mean we are tied down. And that the opposite of that might not be poor, but free. Isn't that what Christ came to do to, to set us free? So, as I said earlier, over these next few weeks, we are going to continue to talk about this and all building towards the end of October when we will uh, give our, our estimate of giving cards to the church. But that's not really the end goal, right? That's just something we do as a church so that we can budget and set our ministry plans for the coming year. The bigger goal over these few weeks is to come together and to ask, so what? We have this money, we have these resources, so what? Well, so that we can build up treasures in heaven. Because that's all leading us to that moment where we can say, wow, this is so cool. This is so cool. Will you pray with me? A holy Lord, our God, you have put us on this earth, you have put us in this time and in this place so that we might learn and grow in you, that we might tap into the image of the divine that is within each and every one of us. And that by doing so, we might begin to understand what it means to be stewards of our resources, that we might see a, a bigger picture, that as we go through our days and as we deal with, with money and, and resources and time and energy and how we spend all of it, we might begin to, to spend it all in, in storing up our treasures in heaven, storing up those, those things that that point to the kingdom of heaven here on earth. Those ways that we can live 
that provide the world with a glimpse of what it is to live fully and completely as your children in the here and the now. May your Holy Spirit lead us and guide us as we seek to, to dig in to, and to ask the question of ourselves, so what? That we might be honest with ourselves where our treasures lie. For we have heard from you that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Oh God, may our hearts be with for you this day and every day. Amen.